If you have your Bibles, you can be turning to Mark chapter 9. We're going to be in verses 14 through 29. Some of you may be looking at the title like, what kind of title is that? Trust Jesus with your unbelief. You'll understand why when we get into the text. But that's, we have to go to Jesus with our unbelief sometimes. And you'll, you'll see that when we read this text. So if you have your Bibles open to Mark chapter 9, we're going to be reading 14 through 29 together. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet Him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Pray with me before we learn from this passage today. And I'm going to say, during this prayer, I'm also going to be praying for Tony leaves on a missions trip here soon to Chile. So I'll be praying for him and the trip um, so that God would go before him and get ready all the necessary pieces when he arrives in Chile. Let's pray today. God, thank you so much for your word and how powerful it is. For Jesus coming into the world to dwell among us, to teach things, to be an example, to be led to the cross and die for our sins, to be buried and then three days later rise again because there's new life now in Jesus. Death has no hold on us anymore if we're a child of You. God, at this time I pray as Tony gets ready to leave for Chile on this missions trip. I pray that you would go before him and the team that's going. Please 
allow that trip to be beneficial and that they would get the things done they want to get done. That your kingdom would be furthered in Chile. That your name would be proclaimed. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. At this time, I pray for us all that we would have open ears and hearts ready to obey you if we need to change. God, you're the God of love. You're the God of peace and rest and comfort. You're a God that challenges us and helps us to grow. So I pray at this time that we would be challenged, that we would continue to grow in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going to hear another song. Weak and wounded sinner, lost and left to die. Oh, raise your head for love is passing by. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus and live. Now your burden's lifted and carried far away. And precious blood has washed away the stain. So sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus and live. And like a newborn baby, don't be afraid to crawl. And remember when you walk, sometimes we fall. So fall on Jesus. Fall on Jesus, fall on Jesus and live. Sometimes the way is lonely and steep and filled with pain. So if your sky is dark and pours the rain, then cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus and live. Oh, and when the love spills over and music fills the night, and when you can't contain your joy inside, then dance for Jesus, dance for Jesus, dance for Jesus and live. With your final heartbeat, kiss the world goodbye. Then go in peace and laugh on glory's side. And fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus and live. Fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus and live. Chris Rice wrote that in 2003. And it's a song that I believe is about trust. Trust, defined in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, defines it like this, to hope or expect confidently. An example used right after that definition says, trust that the problem will be resolved soon. We put our trust in, our hope in, our confident expectation in Jesus Christ with our unbelief, our lack of trust, our lack of confidence, our complacency, our doubts, 
our fears, our stagnant faith, and we trust in Jesus to resolve the problem soon. We trust in Jesus to change us from the inside out. We trust Jesus to transform us, to renew our minds daily. We're not instantaneously mature spiritually though. Spiritual maturity, spiritual growth is a lifelong process. We trust Jesus with our unbelief because we know with confidence that Jesus can and will help us in our unbelief. This story provides us with an example of a man's faith being changed and a faith that grows. Let's take a look at this passage because it's a lot of that. This man's faith grows in this instance. So let's take a look at this passage. If you know from last week, Jesus, along with Peter, James, and John, they're walking down the mountain from this mountaintop experience, okay? They just, Peter, James, and John have just seen Jesus in all His glory, bright as can be. Remember, white clothes that nobody can do that white of clothes. And they're coming down the mountain, and they're met with an argumentative situation. You ever experienced that when you have a mountaintop experience, and then the next minute you're in like this horrible situation? You just came down, and now you're like, ah! This is what they come down to. Whether it is the crowds arguing with the disciples or the teachers of the law or the teachers of the law and the disciples arguing, I don't think it matters. All that matters is there's an argument going on. We don't know how long the argument was going on for. It could have been going on for a long time. We don't know. But it's happening. And, as G- and I was sitting at my desk, okay? This week I was sitting at my desk and I wondered this. I just thought about this. And wondered if Jesus, Peter, James, and John, if they never came down the mountain, would this argument still be going on? If Jesus didn't come down from the mountain, would they still be arguing? I think so. We see it today. People argue, 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 till somebody shows up and stops the argument. So if that person never showed up, the argument would still be going on, right? But when Jesus, oh, when Jesus is spotted, you look at that, verse 15, as soon as the people saw Jesus, so Jesus is spotted as he's coming down the mountain, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Oh, I want to see that scene. The attention of the people, they're in this argument, they're paying attention to this argument, whatever's going on, and all of a sudden, they recognize Jesus, and they turn and they run. They're thrilled to see Him. I don't know if you ever thrilled to see something, and you just start running. Have you ever done that? As a kid, when you see, like my kids sometimes, when they see me, they run to me. Not necessarily now, when they're a little older, but when they were younger, when I showed up, they would run to meet me at the door, okay? But now they just sit around. Because I'm not that exciting. But if you saw somebody that you wanted to meet, maybe uh, like, a, like a person you haven't, or haven't seen in a while, do you run to meet them? Or am I the only one? 
Yes, no. They see G- <laughs> I see some <laughs> heads nodding like, no, we don't run. We wait till they come to us. Uh, but they're thrilled to see Jesus. They're overwhelmed with wonder. This is exembio in the Greek. It means to be amazed. But listen to this. For joy at the unexpected coming of Christ. These people, the crowds, or whoever, they're listening to this argument and all of a sudden they spot Jesus coming down from the mountain and they're, just, they're not like, oh, okay, what's, what's the argument? Let's, come on, let's, let's see some details, come on. But they see Jesus because it's unexpected, I guess, and they're so joyful that they start to run. What a scene that would be. Jesus is probably like, okay, slow down. But we don't get that, so I, I'll put that in there. He's like, slow down, don't tackle me. Verse 16 comes. Even though the people, so they ran to Jesus, okay? So there had to be some distance. I don't know about you, but I don't run a foot, okay? I just step and I'm there. That's not running, right? So there was distance between the people and Jesus coming down from the mountain. So there had to be distance. But what does it tell us? Verse 16, Jesus said, what are you arguing with them about? So Jesus obviously knows there's an argument going on. And he asked, hey, what's this about? And then a man spoke up. He brings his boy who was possessed by his spirit to the disciples first. He said, I brought the boy to the disciples, your disciples, to drive out the spirit, but they could not do anything. They couldn't drive out it from the boy. Now remember, if you remember back in chapter 6, okay, these are the same disciples who Jesus sent out two by two. Remember that? He sent them out two by two. They preached repentance. They're like, people, you need to repent. They anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. But what else did they do? They drove out many demons. Should I repeat that? They drove out many what? And what can't they do here? Drive out an impure spirit. They've already experienced driving out demons. They're probably like, why can't we do this? Because they've done it before. But this father says, your disciples couldn't do anything. And then Jesus. So the boy brings his son to Jesus. And the response from Jesus is wonderful. Did you catch it? It's eye-opening. It's astonishing. It's eye-opening. But this is also what it is. It's heart-wrenching. It's astonishing. It's eye-opening. And it's heart-wrenching. He says, You unbelieving generation. You unbelieving generation. Oh, faithless generation. You people have no faith. What a generation. No sense of God. That's his response. You people are without trust in God. You unbelieving generation. Jesus replied. And then what does he say? How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Do we ever say that to people? How long do I have to put up with this? What are you doing? 
You've been taught this for like a year now and you're still doing the same thing that you did a year ago that was wrong. What's wrong with you? I can't keep up with you. I can't be around you. I can't even think about you maybe. And Jesus says, how long do I have to be here till you're going to learn something? We say, we say that sometimes to people. But Jesus tells them what? Everybody say it together. What does Jesus tell the Father? What does Jesus tell the people that might have the boy? What does He say? Bring the boy to me. Bring the boy to me. This is a side point. But do we bring people to Jesus? Do we say, I want you to come with me. I want to bring you to Jesus. Learn about Jesus. Come here. Let me talk to you about Jesus. Do we ever bring people to Jesus? And then you have verse 20 to 27. This is the healing of the boy. This is taking place. And you have this scene. The Spirit recognizes Jesus. Did you see that? The, the Spirit recognizes who Jesus is and immediately tries to cause chaos. The boy goes into convulsion. He's... Um, fell to the ground, he's rolling around, he's foaming at the mouth. So this impure spirit is trying to make it more chaotic. And Jesus asked the father, hey, father, I know this is your son, this is your boy. How long has he been like this? Tell me, how long has he been like this? It's been going on since the boy's childhood. Now, and the spirit tries to kill my son, this boy. Now, it doesn't give us any indication on how old the boy is. It doesn't. It just said the spirit has been, since childhood, it's been, he's been like this. So we don't know exactly how old the boy is. But it's a father who brings his son to Jesus and says, yeah, it's been like this since childhood. And then what happens there's a small word in verse 22, okay? From childhood, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him, but. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading something or people are talking and they say, but, what, what do you do? I like, okay, something's coming. Something happened earlier, but now something else is going to. There's a turn, there's a shift, right? Is there a transition to something that's different than what was just said? So most likely that's the case. So you got to remember these little word details. Don't miss any words. But he says this, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. The father sees what the spirit is doing. He knows this for how long the boy has been like this. I don't know. Since childhood, that's all we know. And he's seen it. And now the father then turns his attention to Jesus. Remember, he just brought it to his disciples. And he's thinking the disciples are going to do something, but that doesn't work. Jesus comes down from the mountain and they're arguing. Jesus says, what are you arguing about? Then this father speaks up and says, well, I brought my boy to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. But if you can do anything,
take pity on us and help us. So he's just pleading to Jesus saying, can you do something? If you can do anything. And Jesus' response, I think it's a beautiful response. Jesus says, if you can, question mark, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. I think that's such a beautiful response. Everything is possible for one who believes. This is after, remember, what's the context? This is after they heard the same voice, Jesus' voice, say, you unbelieving generation. And Jesus says this to the Father, everything is possible for one who believes. And that word belief is absolutely to trust in Jesus or in God as able to aid either in obtaining or in doing something. So this is absolutely saying, I trust Jesus, I trust God, and he's able to do something about the situation. That's what believe means. And the father, what does he say? Oh, I do believe. But does it stop there? Everybody says what? No. I do believe Jesus, but help me overcome my unbelief. David Garland, a commentator, writes, Jesus is not put off by the humble honesty of one who says, I believe, but I am not certain of it. He grants what is asked. So the boy's father says, I believe Jesus, but help me overcome my unbelief. If we're honest with ourselves, can you be honest with yourself today? Can you? If we're honest with ourselves, me too, and I've thought about this all week, I was like, yes, this is happens. We too believe, but at the same time, we're still like, I don't know. Or am I the only one? You don't have to answer out loud. But I do that. I say, I believe Jesus. I believe God. I know what you're capable of doing, but uh, I still have that uncertainty sometimes. Like, is it going to really happen? So we, like the boy's father here, can trust Jesus with our unbelief because we know with confidence that Jesus can and will help us in our unbelief. If you wanted a main point for that, this, type, this whole sermon, that's it. We too, like the Father in this story, can trust Jesus with our unbelief because we know with confidence that Jesus can and will help us in our unbelief. Jesus drives out the Spirit from the boy. You see that in verse 25. Now, he sees another crowd running, so he has to, he kind of hurries up a little bit. He doesn't want a scene. He rebukes the impure spirit and says, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And again, the spirit kind of tries to do the last thing, kind of make a scene and chaotic, but the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And what happens? The boy looks dead. Everybody's like, the boy's dead. That's what we're witnessing. The boy's dead. But what a marvelous picture again. Jesus 
took him by the hand. Just picture that. This boy who has been possessed by this impure spirit for I don't know how long, but Jesus takes him by the hand, lifts him up, and the boy stood. So the boy's life is changed. But not just the boy's life. The father's life, especially his trust, has changed. His belief, his faith, his trust in Jesus and God is changed. That same day that his son's life was changed. What a scene. Jesus heals this boy. And then, 28 and 29. After Jesus had gone indoors, so they're away from the people now, they've gone inside, his disciples ask him privately, so it's only Jesus with his disciples, and his disciples say, hey Jesus, why couldn't we do it? I mean, we've done it in the past, why couldn't we do it today? And Jesus says, this kind can come out only by prayer. Here's a sentence you may know, but do we really take it to heart? The life of faith and practice must be accompanied by prayer. Prayer is important to the life of a follower of Jesus. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? Prayer is, should be a part of our life. If you're with us in Wednesday Bible study, we're memorizing a verse together, or several verses together. And it starts off like this in the section we're memorizing. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Do we devote ourselves to prayer? Jesus tells his disciples, this could only come out by prayer. And the disciples are probably like, oh yeah, maybe we forgot to pray. They still don't understand the life that Jesus is trying to teach them. One person wrote this, God is helping me each day, I know, because I can find peace when I take time to pray. Today, let's trust Jesus with our unbelief. And I think it starts with prayer. Can you turn with me to Psalm, okay? Psalm chapter 37. And you have 150 Psalms, right, in your Bible. What are they? They're songs or prayers. They're crying out to God. So Psalm 37 is one of my favorite Psalms because it has one of my favorite verses which I'm going to share with you. But Psalm 37 is crying out to God I challenge you to read the whole thing when you get home today. I'm only going to read two verses, but I challenge you, read it all today because it goes along with what we're trying to learn and, and grow in our faith. We can cry out to Jesus. Here's what the psalmist writes in Psalm 37, starting in verse 5. I'm going to read 5 and 6. Commit your way to the Lord. 
Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. Another translation which I memorized it in, I think it's the English Standard. Who has the ESV? I think it says this. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. He will act. If you trust Him, if you commit your life to Him, you go before God saying, I can't do it on my own, God. He's going to do something. Trust me, He will do something. I've experienced it. I've seen it. So I challenge you, go home and read that whole psalm. Because it's a prayer that we can pray and it's a, it's a good psalm to remember. But today, it's decision time, okay? There's space for you to do that. All week sometimes I'm like, man, I need to make a decision every time I study. <laughs> but come as you are for prayer. If you want to join this Ferris family, if you want to join us, come and do that. If you, are making, if you need to make a decision to say, hey Jesus, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Believe Jesus. Confess Him Lord as, as Lord and Savior. Be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. One person wrote this about the change since baptism. This person said, I think I am loving, kind, and forgiving. But I do not think I would be this way if Jesus did not live in me. Decisions sometimes have to be made. Whether it's changing a lifestyle or just saying, I need prayer, I need help. Or just saying, God, I need help in my unbelief. That's a true prayer. That's an honest prayer that I pray sometimes every day. (laughs) Help me, God. Because I don't really understand it. I'm uncertain about it, but I know that you can help me. So I'm going to close this way. Because these two verses of the song sum it all up. If you remember what I sang, you can sing with me. Weak and wounded sinner, lost and left to die. Oh, raise your head, for love is passing by. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and live. Sometimes the way is lonely and steep and filled with pain. So if your sky, so if your sky is dark and pours the rain, then cry to Jesus. Cry to Jesus. Cry to Jesus and live. God, that's what this message is about. God, we come to you. Sometimes we're afraid, sometimes we're doubts, fear uncertain about what's going to happen. 
Sometimes we have unbelief and we don't know what to do with it. But like the boy's father in this passage, Jesus, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Help us to cry out to You and come to Jesus because there's life, true life found in Jesus. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other. So let us all come to Jesus and live. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your wonderful name that we pray. Amen.